Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Let's Get Talking. I hope you're all well. The show has really gone from strength to strength in just the last couple of weeks and that's all down to everyone that's listening. We've gone over 3,000 on Instagram with you supporting on there, lots of downloads on the other episodes and just some brilliant messages coming through from all of you, so I do really appreciate it. But also, you might have seen created some merchandise recently where a percentage of the sales goes to Young Minds UK, a great organisation here in the UK who support young people and their mental health. And I've also had some friends across the week to reveal their difficulties and the things they're going through and how the podcast has helped them. So really a massive thank you to each and every one of you for supporting me, supporting Let's Get Talking and just help to spread the message and spread the awareness, I guess. So episode four is what you're here for. I recorded this conversation a few weeks ago and it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. England and Gloucester rugby star Willie Hines speaks at length throughout this episode at his journey through the rugby game and experiences of mental health as well as revealing some of his career highlights so if you're a rugby fan definitely stick around but if you're not it's just a fascinating insight into the daily pressure the anxiety that someone can be under when they're in a in a job and in a role that Willie is since recording it's been revealed that Willie is going to leave Gloucester to join Worcester Rugby. He's such a genuine and, and kind bloke um, and I wish him all, all the best with that move and his family as well um, and I hope it all goes well well for them. It is worth noting before we start the episode that due to his busy schedule Willie actually spoke to me on Zoom while sat in his car at the training ground so please bear with me at times across the audio but I've done all I can for you guys and, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. So grab a cup of tea Tell your friends to listen along too, and let's get talking with Willie Hines. Right, hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Let's Get Talking. Hope you're all doing well and, and keeping safe. This episode sees me chat to another guest, and one I'm personally excited for as a big rugby fan. I'm delighted to be joined virtually over Zoom by Gloucester and England scrum half Willie Hines. Willie, I suppose we'll start with just how are you, how are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, really cool to come on here and chat with you. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been a, a busy Monday, as I was just saying earlier. Um, Mondays are always a, a day of meetings for us, where we we uh, review the the game that we've just played in the weekend, but also start previewing the opposition that's uh, coming up for the for the game in um, the following weekend so yeah we're, we're in and out of um, various meetings and then um, get some gym work done and then finish the day with a bit of training on the pitch and I suppose that's one thing that people might not be too um, aware of in the professional game obviously as supporters and as fans we see obviously the game happening um, on the weekend and, and whatever the result is and I suppose um, we don't see how quick it moves then obviously like you said there Monday you're straight into meetings and you're focusing straight on the next game I suppose that's something that we don't see and is that sort of is that something that happens obviously like you said it, it's always busy on a Monday is that something that's sort of set in stone all the time and the, and it all moves on quite quickly from the weekend's match? Yeah it does tend to be that way um, I think it's it's one of the quite sort of cool and and unique things about professional sport is that you're constantly reviewing performance. And it's something that I've had a few conversations with um, different business people or, or people that are in different walks of life. And, um, you know, sometimes in, in different walks of life, you know, you might not, you might only get a performance review every, every quarter or annually or however it might work. 
Um, whereas in rugby, we, we get that feedback literally every week or, or sometimes every day, you know, like we often will train and all our trainings are filmed. And so we go back and review trainings. And so you just, you're constantly getting feedback on, on how you're performing. Um, can be pretty ruthless at times um, <laughs> because, of, because of what we do, especially when, you, when things aren't going quite so well. Um, which is, you know, that is the case for us at the moment at Gloucester. Um, but it is quite a cool thing. And um, I think as long as you've got an appetite to, to want to keep getting better and, and, and wanting to learn, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's really good for you as well. Definitely. I think that's a, such an important message that, that would be going out to the people that listen to this, whatever sort of walk, your life, uh, walk of life you're in, to be able to sort of reflect and, and like you said there, look back. But as you know, we've obviously had conversations previously and every time I have a guest on the show, it's sort of all about discussing their personal journey and experiences of, of mental health and just opening and having a conversation. Um, I suppose, can we start sort of today by taking you sort of right back to the start of your journey? Obviously, a, a lot of people will know you obviously as um, Scrum Half of Gloucester and obviously most in the most recent years as England as well. But what were your ex- early experiences as obviously growing up in, in New Zealand and sort of the education over there and, and how you got into rugby? Do you mean from like a young age or professionally? Yeah, sort of as a young, I suppose as a young age, going through sort of the school system over in, in New Zealand and then obviously coming to the point where obviously you looked into professional rugby. Yeah, well, I guess, um, yeah, born, born and bred in New Zealand and in, um, in Christchurch, which is in the South Island of New Zealand. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm one of um, one of six kids and, um, you know, growing up um, not in a particularly sporty family but uh, I always for whatever reason I was always just mad about sport not just rugby but but all sports really um, and then going you know going to school um, probably you know the biggest sport in New Zealand is rugby rugby in New Zealand is is what probably football is to to English people and um, you know every, everybody at some point in their life would would have a, an opportunity to, to play rugby in New Zealand and um, you know, I, I was pretty hooked on it early on, and um, you know, it's just it's something that's it's a it's a real way of life. It's part of the Kiwi culture to um, go to school, you know, play play rugby for your, your club or your school at the weekend. Um, everyone watches, you know, whether it's NPC, Super Rugby, the All Black Test matches. Um, so you know, it, it was just a a real way of life um, for me growing up, and um, it, it became a it became a you know, a dream from an from an early age to to play rugby professionally, um, where I grew up in Christchurch, Canterbury, and the Crusaders were the, the two professional teams. And um, you know, all I ever really wanted to do was was to play for those teams. So, I guess as you as you get through the grades, and um, you know, probably not until you start uh, playing for your first fifteen. I didn't go to a, a real um, powerhouse school or anything. Um, but once you get into kind of first 15 and then your first couple of years out of school playing club rugby, that's when you start to get a bit of an indication on, on whether you're uh, whether you're in the frame for um, the local academy or, um, you know, whether you're in the thinking for, for the professional ranks. And um, it was, you know, I was probably a little bit of a late bloomer. I didn't go straight into the academy out of school. I, I played club rugby for a year or two and then got picked up in the Canterbury Academy. Um, and then from there, you, you know, your your chances of playing professional rugby once you do get picked up into those academies are, is quite high. I think, um, you know, at the time when I went through, the Canterbury Academy had a about an 80 to 85% success rate of um, 
turning their academy players into prof- into professional players. So um, it's a good system to to get yourself into. Um, but ultimately, you know, the big message when you do get into those academies is it's up to you if you're going to make this happen, and um, they give you all the support you need. But but as a player, you've got to, I guess, take the lead and 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 start to take control of your career. Definitely. So obviously, it was obviously a journey that sort of, as you said, from sort of when you began to start playing the sport, it was a, it was a path that you were definitely obviously going to follow. Um, in terms of obviously growing up and the education that you had, obviously here in um, England now, we're starting to see more of a, of a conversation on, on mental health and on the pressures that young people face. Uh, and that's becoming more sort of at the forefront in in schools and obviously social media and everything like that there's a lot of support out there what was it like over in New Zealand in terms of um the support if you were obviously going through any sort of mental health or stress or anxiety it'd just be interesting to see how I suppose another country sort of looks at that yeah I think um you know certainly when I was at high school I don't remember any real conversations about mental health. It wasn't something that was that was really spoken about or touched on, or um, you know, I, I I don't remember there being a huge amount of education around it. I think once I got into uh, professional rugby, like I started playing professionally in 2009, and I think even you know probably the first the first few years there wasn't a, a great deal, and then um, sort of my last few years in New Zealand, I can remember the the Rugby Players Association starting to to look a bit more into it, start starting to, I guess, give a bit more support um, around those areas. But it, it was still real early days, I think. Um, you know, the, the conversation around mental health and particularly in professional sport, dealing with the pressures. Um, so I think everyone was kind of just finding their way still. And I think probably only in the, the last few years, to be honest, um, it's become more of a structured thing where um, clubs or um uh, you know, even internationally, there's there's more of a um, deliberate structure put in place to support guys, be it through um, access to uh, psychologists or, um, I guess, mental health experts that you can you can go and have a conversation with, or put plans in place to to kind of support your um, your 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 day to day well being. So, you know, I think it, it's still, to be honest, I think it's still pretty early days. Um, with that kind of thing, and and I think it is really important because, you know, I know that all all professional players, not just in rugby, but you know, in all sports, are, are under a great deal of um, pressure. They're they're under the, you know, the the brutal spotlight of of social media and instant feedback and and all these these different platforms where every man and his dog's got an opinion about um, how you're performing, and um, you know, we're all we're all humans at the end of the day, and we all we all feel things and. Um, we're all we're all trying to do our best, but you know we don't we don't always get it right. And, and I think um, you know having having the appropriate support structures in place is, is going to be crucial going forward. Definitely, you obviously touched on social media a little bit there, and like you said, especially in professional sport, you get that instant feedback, and everyone's got an opinion, and it's uh, a, it could be a brilliant platform when things are going right, but when things aren't going to plan, then it, it obviously is quite a um hostile platform shall we say i know obviously uh, you're not on social media is that a conscious effort from yourself in term because of those reasons or is it just purely just a thing that's not happened for you yeah it is a little bit of a conscious decision um like i've got facebook and um 
you know more to more to keep in touch with with friends and family that that I'm living away from now but um in terms of you know your twitters instagram those those sorts of platforms i just i just really didn't see the value in it for me and um and you know speaking to to different sort of professionals in those areas they they sort of you know questioned the 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 benefit that you get out of it versus the the negative impacts of it because when you know people are writing stuff about you it's actually really hard not to go and not to go and seek out what they're saying and and like you say when when things are going well or you're playing well gee it's you know it's great you go and read these things about yourself and you're you know you feel on top of the world but conversely if it's not going well um you know the things that people write uh, can be really damaging and 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 like i said before like we're all human we all feel things and um you know those those things that they just don't they don't help you at all and, and often they can they can actually be pretty damaging to your confidence and to your your self-belief and you know I, you know one of the messages i've had from from these these professionals is that nothing's probably ever quite as good as it seems and nothing's ever quite as bad as it seems so it's, it's about trying to be level-headed and you know if you want to if you want to spend a long time playing at the the top of your game you need to be consistent and um and you need to be able to turn up each week with a with a consistent preparation to give yourself the best chance of performing consistently in the weekend so it's about trying to control i guess that the different influences each week on on that preparation and you know for me that social media was just one of those things that probably um didn't didn't really impact me positively so just choose to steer clear yeah i think um i think that'd be really powerful for people to hear and obviously i work with a lot of young people that have every social media platform going as you as you probably um are aware and i think uh some people Mm. think like it it takes five seconds sometimes to to write a tweet or put a picture on and like you say there the effect that it can i think sometimes especially with professional sport i think supporters or fans or whoever it may be sometimes think that people won't read it or it's because they're a professional, it won't sort of um, affect them. So it's interesting to see that obviously there is that discussion happening about the impact of it. And like you said, the, the flip side, when things aren't going too right. Before we move on to just have a chat about obviously your time at Gloucester and obviously moving on to England, when I was looking sort of at just different things about your career before speaking to you, obviously your time at Crusaders, I know you um, played quite a lot with, uh, and then there'd be a lot of rugby uh, fans listening to this, that you played quite obviously a lot with Dan Carter and uh, Richie McCaw as two sort of powerhouses of the rugby world. How is, how is that, especially obviously playing at scrum half with Dan Carter at 10? How was that that experience um, back at Crusaders? Oh, mate, it was awesome. Um, you know, like growing up, those guys were, you know, they were guys that you really looked up to, obviously, with... Um, you know the, the the quality of player that they were, but also just like really really good blokes as well. Um, and you know, for a young a young player coming in, particularly in my position at at nine, to have a have a guy outside you like Dan Carter was just the dream come true. You know, like he's so calm and um, relaxed under pressure. Same with Richie, to be fair, but particularly with Dan, he's just um, just a real calming influence um, outside you when you're when you're first breaking into to the professional ranks so um yeah wicked to wicked to play alongside those guys and just i guess i guess get a bit of an insight into again how they prepare how they go about their work each week and you know it's it's no coincidence that they they played at the the absolute top of their game for for such a long time because you know they're, they're such incredible professionals 
you know, not bad, not bad players at all to, I suppose, learn learn from in, in those early days. Moving on then, obviously, then you uh, joined Gloucester um, and came over to England. How was that journey in itself in terms of sort of the pressures and the expectation, I suppose, new club, new country and all everything that sort of came along with that? Yeah, it was, it, it took a bit of an adjustment, to be honest. Like we, you know, my wife and I uh, made the decision sort of um, a few years before we came that we were we were really keen to come to the United Kingdom. Um, my grandmother was English, who I was really close with, and, and she was really encouraging of us um, if we ever got the opportunity to, to come over here and and obviously to play rugby, but to, you know to experience England and um, and you know bring our, our, our three children up over here as well. So we kind of made that decision, and then and then it was about I guess um, having a really positive mindset when the when the opportunity did come to. To come to Gloucester, we we wanted to make sure that we weren't um, longing for for New Zealand too much or longing for our, our friends and family. Obviously, you're going to miss them and and that type of thing. But if you're always looking back there, thinking, "Oh, you know, we'd love to be back around them," then it you know it does become you know a difficult transition. So we we tried to come over with a really positive mindset, and and that was something that I think really helped with that move. Um, and then I, I guess from a rugby perspective. It was it was a little bit of a shock to the system, you know. I I had a little bit of an idea about the Premiership and and what it was like, but it's not to you actually get up here and you you experience the style of rugby, just the I guess the different way that they go about the game, the conditions, particularly once you get into the colder months, um, all those sorts of things just took took a bit of adjusting because the way scrum halves play over here is is quite different to back in New Zealand. Um, you know, a lot more kicking and, and trying to control the game um, from the nine position as opposed to in New Zealand, you know, you probably play a lot more because the conditions allow you to do so. So, um, yeah, so, some uh, some real good learnings early on in that, that first season or two. Yeah, I think the, the conditions, like you said, is probably something that took the most adjusting with. I've been stood in the shed myself in a December match all wrapped up warm <laughs> and <laughs> I bet it's not great just out there in the, especially how the wind swirls across King's Home sometimes. Um, I think obviously then things move quite quickly. I think your performances for Gloucester then obviously made you catch the eye of, of Eddie Jones in England. How was... I suppose how, how just how was that experience in terms of pulling the England jersey on, obviously, and then it led to the the World Cup a couple of years ago. How how was that process, and obviously the expectation and the pressure that sort of that brought uh, is one thing at club level, but then to do it obviously for England as well, I can imagine brings a whole new ball game in terms of pressures and anxieties and and stress and things. Yeah, I mean the 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 last couple of years has been pretty unreal to be honest. I n- I never really thought um, that I was on the on the radar. I I got picked for a camp um, back in 2017, end of the season when there were a number of number of players un- unavailable due to um, playoffs, and um, I got picked in a camp for a, for a three day camp down in Brighton. So that was again that was a real surprise, but it was an awesome insight into. Um, how England were, were trying to play and, and I guess just to go in there and uh, rub shoulders with some of the, you know, the top English players at the time was, was really cool just to see how they operate. Um, and then the next kind of season after that, I didn't really play a lot. I, I struggled with injury for a, a season or so. And, and to be honest, I, I didn't really think that, um, you know, any international call-ups were, were going to be on the radar. And then the season that we made the top four with Gloucester 28, 18, 19, I think it was. Um, about halfway through that season, I just got a text out of the blue from Eddie 
just saying that he'd been watching my progress and and had been happy with how I was playing and gave me a few things to look at um, to to you know I guess try and keep improving on. Um, so it was really cool. It sort of lit a bit of a fire that you know there there might be a chance. And obviously it was the the year of the World Cup, so you know what an opportunity to be on the radar. Um, and then we finished up the the prem season with Gloucester, and then yeah, just got a message saying that you'll be involved in the the warm up camps for the uh, for the World Cup. And you know it was just an unreal sort of um, feeling knowing that you're going to be in there with with a chance to go to the World Cup, and you know probably from that point up until they named the World Cup, it was just about doing everything I could to give myself the best chance to, to be selected. And and then when they, they sort of trimmed the squad down to, I think, about 35, 36 players, and there were only two nines in it, um, you know, the, the opportunity was, was right in front of me then. And uh, I knew that I was going to be playing in the, the first warm-up game against Wales, and then they were naming the World Cup squad the next morning. Um so it was, you know, that was my, my one shot really at, at 32. I didn't really think uh, that opportunity was going to come along. and um, But I just, I knew I'd worked really hard through that summer and, and through all the camps. So I was in, in good physical condition to, to go out there and, and give my best shot and um, managed to play all right in that, that game against Wales. And then, yeah, made the World Cup squad. So um, an unbelievable, I guess, six to 12 months from, from when I first got the message saying that, you know, you're you're in the thoughts and, um, you know, to make that team and go to the World Cup and, and be a part of that journey was was just incredible. In terms of the the pressures and stuff, I think, um, you know, you, you look externally and you'd say, you know, huge amount of pressure. But I guess the, the one thing that, um, not the one thing, but one of the things that uh, Eddie and the, the England coaching and, and, and management setup do so well is they, they give you everything you need to, to be at your best and um, you know the support that they give you coupled with you know a, a challenging environment that, that brings the best out in you um, is amazing and it's you know, it's the best probably the best well it is the best environment that I've been a part of um, and so yeah of course you feel pressure and, and personally I did feel a bit of pressure being the you know the 32 year old from New Zealand um, sort of a, a bit of a controversial pick but um just loved just loved every moment that i had in there and it's brilliant to hear that that sort of that journey and how it how it felt obviously for you and in terms of obviously the conversations that we sort of aim on for on the podcast and the people that listen to it um one thing that we get all the time is how um how people can deal with certain setbacks and build that sort of resilience and bounce back and i know you've spoken quite openly before obviously about the the injury that happened in the the semi-final of, of that World Cup and sort of what was, I suppose, firstly, what was that like in terms of that setback and bouncing back from it? And then how, I suppose, how key is it to be able to have resilience, both in professional sport, but then also sort of um, just out, outside of it in sort of your personal life as well? Yeah, I think, you know, um, on your first point of picking up that injury in the semi-final against the All Blacks, it was... Um, Oh, it was just absolutely gutting, to be honest. Like you've been part of a part of a journey that um, everyone had put so much into, and um, you know there was the opportunity to play in a World Cup final the week later, and and that opportunity was gone for me because of that injury. So I was I was pretty devastated in the change room afterwards. But it was also it was sort of a weird feeling because um, you know we just beaten the All Blacks as well in the semi final of a World Cup, and I got to be a part of that. So there was this kind of 
elation that that we'd we'd managed to get ourselves into a position to play in the final, but just absolute disappointment that I wasn't going to be able be able to contribute on the on the pitch, obviously. So, yeah, sort of a, a quite a weird feeling after the game. But I suppose, like on the on the resilience piece, it's it's one of the things that we we looked at uh, in depth before the World Cup, um, more from a, a playing and performance perspective, but something that England had struggled with a little bit in the the, the 12 months prior to that World Cup year was um, dealing with, with setbacks or, or dealing with um, massive momentum swings or when things aren't going their way in games, they'd, they'd struggled. And so as a squad, we actually sat down before the World Cup and, and spent a lot of time each week talking about resilience, talking about um, when things don't go well, how are we going to respond? And and one of the things we got challenged on by um, the, the team psychologist actually was to explore resilience a little bit deeper and, and, and try and look because a lot in sport, we, you know, you want as a team, you always want to be resilient. You want to be able to hang in there in those tough times. But what she challenged us on was what, what's actually beyond that? What, what, would, a, what would a team look like? Um, if in the toughest moments they were beyond resilient and, and the kind of mantra or thing we came up with was to have a bring it on mindset. And so, you know, whenever we were, we were in those moments when things were going against us or um, just not, not just in games, but in trainings or um, whatever, I guess, things were thrown at us throughout that world cup, how are we going to respond? And, and we decided that, you know, if we could have this mindset of bring it on, like we we want these tough moments, we want these these moments of adversity because we're prepared for them, and and as a group we can fight through them together. We felt like we would give ourselves a you know a, a pretty good chance at, at performing well as a team. So, I guess linking that back to your question of um, how I felt after picking up that injury in the World Cup, well, because we'd probably spoken so much about this bring it on mindset, it wasn't a case of feeling too sorry for myself. Um, it was okay. You know, this is this is the situation. I've got this this pretty nasty hamstring injury, but you know, I've just got to attack the rehab now. I've got to I've got to bring it on. I've got to go after it and, and get myself right. And you know, ultimately, the show goes on, and I'll be coming back to, to join up with Gloucester again. And I want to get myself right as as quick as I can for that. So, I guess that was the kind of mindset I took into it. Yeah, I think it's a powerful message that people were here in terms of. Um like we said earlier, whatever sort of walk of life you're in, that if you have that sort of bring it on mindset to whatever comes your way and from whether you're a sort of a student at school or like yourself in a rugby world cup semi-final um, representing England is a, is a brilliant message to, to have. And I suppose that leads on just to, a, um, I know you've spoke recently, I saw some sort of YouTube sort of videos and podcasts and different things like that about anxieties and, and pressures that you have, you felt in the game and especially sort of the, the uncertainty, I suppose, of the professional game. Like you've touched on a couple of times, obviously your age, you were surprised obviously with the England call in terms of your age and, and where you are at your game. How do you deal with those as a professional per, sports person? How do you deal with those sort of anxieties and that, uncertainty is there anything that you do sort of on a daily basis or a weekly basis to sort of keep that sort of positive bring it on mindset yeah I think it, one of the biggest things is, is what you say there around um, doing things on a daily basis or a weekly basis to um, to try and manage those feelings but it's acknowledging that those feelings are, are perfectly normal and I think everyone has 
anxieties or worries or um, has times of feeling sad or depressed or, or whatever it is. Like that's a really normal thing to feel. And I think sometimes there's a bit of a um, mindset of, you know, we, we shouldn't be feeling like that or whatever, but actually that's just, that's just a real normal thing to feel. So acknowledging that that's, that's absolutely fine. And, and are there some things that you can add into your, your preparation each week to, I guess, try and manage those feelings or, or try and, um, yeah, just, just try to, I guess, turn the tides a little bit if you are starting to feel like that more regularly. And something that I do is um, like yoga and meditation a little bit each week. Um, I'm, I'm certainly no, no sort of full on, uh, full on yogi um, Zen person, but you know, just um, some simple breathing techniques I find just help calm me down or, or just ease my mind a little bit if, it, if it's starting to race a bit particularly at night time if I'm struggling to sleep and stuff just having a bit of a, a process to go to there um, yeah th those would be the, the, the main things but um, yeah just understanding for me that you know those those feelings are really normal and you know probably my, my biggest anxieties and worries come around um, what life's going to look like after rugby you know that the older you get you're, you're probably more aware that it's it's going to come to an end at some point in the next few years and just trying to figure out what it is you're going to do um and you know that's a that's a hard question to answer at times but um i guess just trying to have some some little processes in place to to ease those those worries sometimes yeah i think the message of sort of whatever you're feeling is is completely normal and if you like you said if you can do those little things that help calm you down and then obviously seek more support if you if you need it um and on mm. the on the podcast each time we have a guest on or if i if, if it's me myself i always ask um what we call trip of the week is a little feature that we have. So that's something that hasn't gone to sort of plan or quite right in the last week or so. And just with the message behind it, that it's okay for things to go a bit wrong and to maybe make a mistake. It's, it's about how you react and respond. So if you're looking back over the last week that you've had, what would you say is your sort of trip of the week, something that's not gone quite right? I'd say, um, yeah, probably rugby point of view, like in the weekend, the very first play of the game against London Irish, I got charged down at the back of a ruck, um, trying to trying to put a clearing kick in, got charged down, and they scored in the first play of the game. And like I was just, you know, in that moment, you you pretty you feel a bit rattled, and you're like, "Cheapers, I've really let the team down here." Um, and I guess like there's nothing there's nothing you can really do about it in that moment. You know, it's gone. I didn't manage that that specific moment well, but um, trying not to let that massively impact on the rest of the game and then you know the, the thing I wanted to make sure is that um, I understand why I didn't get it right you know I didn't I didn't take control of that ruck in front of me at the time um, to understand that I learned from it and and just try and make sure that it doesn't happen again that that's probably the the one little thing that I've picked up already this week with uh, that bit of feedback from the the meetings this morning um, I suppose from a from an off-field perspective it's not so much of a something that I've done this week but just one thing that's I guess caused me a little bit of anxiety or worry in the last week or so has just been the whole global pandemic thing um, and just missing missing family back in New Zealand a little bit and um, I guess just the the fact that it's pretty difficult for for us or or my wife or kids to actually get back and see family at the moment has been a little bit of a just a 
not that not that we were going back any anytime soon for a holiday or anything because we're in the middle of a season, but it's just something that's been on my mind a little bit that, you know, I can't get back and see my parents who are getting a bit older now or, you know, my, my kids haven't been able to see their grandparents for a while. So it's just one thing that's kind of been on my mind. But again, like I said before, it's okay to feel a bit, bit sad or a bit worried or anxious at times. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully those feelings will pass. And, uh, Fingers at, crossed at it will go back to normal. To get back there to, to see them all. Yeah, definitely. So I don't know if that really makes much sense, but no, that's, that's great. That's brilliant. Um, uh, before I suppose we wrap up, I know a lot of people will, will enjoy listening to this for a few reasons, especially your, your thoughts and experiences of mental health, and obviously your journey in rugby. I suppose I can't have you on the the podcast without asking you. I suppose for your career highlight, you might have already answered it before i'm not sure but what's your sort of your career highlight in the in rugby so far and what are you hoping for the next sort of couple of seasons and couple of years in the game well i think you know like um absolutely the career highlight was was playing my my first test for england um just an amazing feeling to pull on the jersey and um get the opportunity to run out at twickenham in front of you know, I think it was it was a sold out stadium, so eighty odd thousand that day was was just oh, it, it's hard to describe the feeling really. Like it's, it's such an amazing place to play. So um, you know that that game, but also that I guess that six months really of um, getting yourself in the frame and just working really hard for something, and and then you know being able to achieve that goal of of making the team and. And playing at the World Cup was the whole thing was just amazing. So that would that would probably be the the career highlight for me. Brilliant. Um, well, I think that's a brilliant place to, to wrap up. I suppose all I can say is thanks for sharing your journey and being so honest about the experiences that you felt. Um, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and I know obviously you're really busy, so we do appreciate it. And I just wish obviously you, your family, like you said, Gloucester, England, uh, the very best for the rest of the season and the future. Um, yeah, and just a big thanks for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to, to join us today. Awesome. No worries, Tom. Pleasure to be with there you go everyone episode four with the brilliant willie hines i do hope you all enjoy listening to such a brilliant insight and once again thanks for sticking with the audio on that one there i know it was a bit tricky at points but hey ho we got the job done as always keep sharing the podcast keep supporting one another and most importantly keep talking it's completely normal to talk about your mental health and completely normal to be finding things difficult Always remember, things will get easier and blue skies are coming your way very soon. I'm Tom, that was episode four and I'll see you next time here on Let's Get Talking.